Well, good morning. Welcome to Good News. Hey, listen, when you came in, look in front of you. There's a uh, Connect card and the seat backs in front of you. If you're new or visiting, we are so glad you're here. And if you just take a minute to let us know you're here by filling out the Connect card, that'd be great. You can put it in one of the boxes in the back and as you leave. Um, I got a phone call on Friday afternoon. Kids get back from Passion. I get a phone call. It's like a nightmare. You know what they said? Your leaders are amazing. Your elders are awesome. That makes me so, so grateful to Jesus. Last week, we asked you to pray for Passion Camp. God answered our prayers. Let's say thank you to him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. You are worthy of praise. You're the God of all glory, fully God and fully man. When we look at you, we see light. And in your light, we see everything else. We are able to see ourselves. We're able to see the world around us. And we give you thanks. For students that you brought from death to life, from darkness to light, we give you thanks. For leaders that you sustained through this week as they served and cared for kids, we give you thanks. For speakers and worship leaders that made a big deal about Jesus, we give you thanks. For answers to prayer, we give you thanks. Father, now, as we open your word, I pray that you would help us again to be taught by you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, come and meet with your people through the reading and teaching of your word. Lord, I'm an incredibly ordinary person with an amazingly extraordinary God. And so I ask you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, be honored and glorified in these moments that we have together in your word. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So take your Bible and turn to Colossians chapter 4. Just to remind you of the context, Paul has been speaking over these past few verses that we've been studying at the end of chapter 3 about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord. And he's talked about the, the greatness and glory of Jesus and now the greatness and glory of Jesus in us as we Follow him in, in our homes. We looked at marriage and in our families. We talked about parenting. And we, and we talked about following Jesus in the workplace. Now, if you've been following along with us over these past weeks, I think there's probably been a moment where you've said, how am I going to do any of this? And so Paul has the same question, and he gives the answer in chapter 4 verse 2, and that is what we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to read 2 through 4. We'll, we'll look at all of those. But listen, this is God's word to us. It's inspired and errant, infallible. It's our only rule for faith and practice. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have been imprisoned, 
that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, everybody here, y'all just take a deep breath with me. Just, <sighs> now, other than that moment, or maybe if you were having a panic attack or, or you were being coached in yoga, has anybody ever had to remind you to breathe? Has that happened? Listen, I've been walking this earth for 52 years. I rarely have ever been reminded to breathe. We don't think about breath. Now, what if? What if we approached our life with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit with the same sort of mindset that to be devoted to Jesus in prayer, to experience oneness with him, friendship with Jesus was like breathing. It was as central and important to us as the breath that we bring into our lungs on a moment-by-moment basis. It can be. And what I want us to learn this morning is we get to pray. We get to pray. Now, why do I put it that way? I've observed in my own life, and I've observed in countless lives around me, that we have an amazing ability to take good gifts from God and turn them into burdens. I go to small groups, and I listen to the prayer requests that people make. And it's as if being a devoted follower to Jesus was like running a marathon every week. Oh, pray for me. I just can't get in the Word week after week. Pray for me that I'd really, really pray. I've been listening to prayer requests like this for years. But what if we had a different mindset? What if we said, Pray for me. I get to pray. Pray for me. I get to spend time with Jesus every single day. Pray for me. I have the great privilege of being called a son or a daughter of God. Pray that the realities of who Jesus is and who he says I am would become so real in my life that I would say, I get to be a follower of Jesus. You see how much different that is than I have to. You don't have to, but you get to pray. You get to be a follower of Jesus and to abide in him moment by moment like the air you breathe. You get to pray. Now, what I want to do is I want to just walk through these few verses that I've already read and just unpack a little bit of what it would mean if we began to think, I get to pray. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves. Now the word devote, be devoted to prayer. What is a devoted person? And we might say that such and such is a devoted wife and mother. We might say that such and such is, is really devoted to their work. 
Or a person might be devoted to their hobby. What does it mean that a person is devoted to something? Well, literally, in the Greek, it means to attend to constantly. To attend to constantly. Now, we've already used the metaphor of of breathing. We attend to that fairly constantly. (laughs) Nobody here has kicked the oxygen addiction yet. What about this metaphor? Imagine... This would be nice right about now in the middle of July in Florida. What if you went to somewhere like really cold, like not Florida cold, not like 50 degrees. What if you went someplace really cold, like below freezing cold, and, and you were camping outside in the middle of the night, and the only thing that could keep you warm was the campfire that you prepared in your campground, to keep you warm, and that if that fire went out, the, free, the cold would put you to sleep, but it would kill you. Now, would you attend to that fire? Would you wake up throughout the night to put another log on the fire? Would you think to yourself, I can't believe I have to get up and put another log on this fire? Or would you say, I have wood that I'm going to put on the fire, and I get to have a fire to keep me warm and sustain me through this night. Now, when you get back to work on Monday morning after your weekend of camping, the story you tell people in the office will determine whether you're a camper or not. Because if you get back to the office and you say, It was so cold, and I had to have a fire, and I had to stay up all night to keep wood on the fire. You know what you're not? You're not a camper. But if you go back to the office and you say, it was amazing. I didn't sleep all night. I had a a fire, and it kept me warm, but I couldn't sleep because I had to keep putting wood on the fire, and it was so awesome. You're a camper. And if you've learned that the most warming thing to your soul is Jesus Christ, made real to you through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and that your abiding life in Him isn't something that you have to do, but something that you get to do that you attend to your life with Jesus through prayer faithfully because you live in a cold environment with a cold culture that wants to kill you spiritually and you carry around in you a frozen flesh that wants to put you out spiritually, but you have the gift of prayer and the gift of the Word of God, and an abiding life in Jesus, and you get to be devoted to prayer. And what you say about your spiritual life, have to or get to, is a testament to your devotion to Jesus Christ, and it tells you what you need to see about yourself and your life with Jesus. Don't let your life with Jesus turn into a burden. 
Let it be the air you breathe. Let it be the fire that warms your soul. Be devoted to prayer. Keep alert. Paul goes on and says, keep alert in it. What does it mean to be alert? Well, literally, to be alert is to be roused, to be awakened. No one, if you look back in the history of the church, there are so many good examples of prayers. Men and women who were devoted to prayer. Men and women who kept themselves alert through prayer. But do you know the greatest example? The greatest example of someone who's devoted to prayer, who was alert in prayer, who lived his life in prayer, is Jesus. Turn to Luke chapter 3, and let's just walk through the life of Jesus very, very quickly and see Moments when Jesus roused himself, alerted himself, devoted himself to prayer. So Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Jesus roused himself, awakened himself to who he was through prayer, and the Holy Spirit came upon him in a moment of prayer and filled him with an awareness of and a celebration of his identity. More than that, Jesus used prayer to recover from the busyness of his ministry. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. News about him was spreading even further, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus was too busy not to pray. Jesus demonstrates awakening himself, alerting himself to a life of intimate fellowship with the Father. And it was that that helped his followers know who he was. Turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. And it happened while he was praying alone. The disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do people say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, but others, the one that one of the prophets of old has arisen again. And he said to them, Who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. What was it that enabled Peter to see who Jesus really was? It was the Father helping him see, but what he observed was Jesus praying. Now, imagine that you don't know who my wife is. You know who I am. 
but you're not sure who my wife is. So you watch me in the lobby, and you see me with, with a woman who's about the same age as me, and you think, hmm, maybe that's his wife. Imagine if you see me with a different woman, and this person, maybe I give a side hug to. I mean, it's more likely that's his wife than the first one. I mean, they were a little cold, but this one got a side hug. Maybe that's his wife. Then you see me with another woman. <laughs> this is going to turn it into a bad illustration. <laughs> this isn't really happening. Now you see me in the lobby. I'm talking to a third woman, and this woman I give a front hug to. You're thinking, that's got to be his wife. And then I kiss her on the lips. Now you know that is definitely Sue Ellen. All right? Okay. Now, all this, by the way, took place in the lobby, okay? It didn't happen at the club, right? Okay. So, Jesus, his disciples watch his life. And when they see the closeness of his relationship to the Father in prayer, when they see the intimacy of the friendship between Jesus and the Father, the close family relationship between Jesus and his heavenly Father, they know this is the one. This is the Savior. This is the Christ of God. It was Jesus' dependence on prayer that enabled the disciples as they observed his life to see that there was something completely different about him. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Luke chapter 2, I mean Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place. After he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said, when you pray, say. You know what amazes me about Luke 11? Is that it's not chapter 4. The disciples wait until Luke 11 to ask him to pray, to teach them to pray. That's what blows me away. They have access to the prayer. And they wait until Luke 11 to ask him to teach them. And he does. He teaches them and he can teach us too. Luke 22, Jesus for you and I went to the cross and he suffered on the cross as our substitute. And what was it that strengthened Jesus for that work? It was prayer. Luke 22, verse 44. Jesus prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will but yours be done. Jesus Christ obeyed the Father, learning obedience in the things that he suffered, and for us drank the cup of God's wrath on the cross, and the only thing that sustained him through that work was the Father's love 
made real to him through prayer the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus that had been fulfilled and confirmed all through his life. And he went to the cross, even on the cross, he prayed, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus, Jesus roused himself, awakened himself through prayer. Jesus was devoted constantly to prayer. And if it's true of Jesus, how much more than can it be true of us who have also received new life from him and have received the Holy Spirit of promise from him that we ourselves can keep awake, be alert. Let me ask you this. Any of your kids have to be woken up on Christmas morning? Anybody? I mean, anybody in there at 4.30 in the morning saying, listen, Johnny, you got to get up. You got to open your presents. No. No child has to be woken up on Christmas morning. And when you see the greatness of Jesus, you won't have to be woken up. But you ever tried to stay awake all through the night on Christmas Eve? You ever made it? I never made it. I tried every year. I'm going to catch Santa this year. I'm going to stay awake all night. The more you try to stay awake, the more your flesh will put you to sleep. But the more you're captured by the love of Jesus Christ, the wonder of the gift of his grace, the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ, the more that captures your heart, you won't have to wake yourself up. You will be awakened to something greater. Oh, but if you depend on the flesh, if you depend on your own techniques and efforts, you'll go out. How do I know? It happened to Jesus' closest friends, his closest followers. The same word, awaken, awaken. He tells them in the garden, pray with me, stay alert with me. And you know what they did? Three times they fell asleep. I'm just like them. Try harder in your own effort to be devoted and wake yourself up to prayer. You'll fail. But let yourself be awakened to the glory and wonder of Jesus Christ and you will find yourself alive and awake and devoted to prayer. You'll get to pray. Now, how do I know that? Because Paul tells us that very next phrase in Colossians 4, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. When do you say thank you? I mean, you go to a restaurant. You go to a restaurant and they bring your food. They set it down. What do you say? Thank you. Waiter comes, clears your empty plate at the end of the meal. What do you say? Thank you. Someone brings an Amazon package to your door. You happen to be home. You sign the little computer pad and you say, thank you. We thank people when things are done 
for us. We don't thank ourselves when things are done by us. And the difference between religion and Christianity is that a Christian is someone who's realized what's been done for us, and therefore they say, thank you. The difference between a religious person who prays, and there are many. When I was in Vladivostok, Russia, on a summer project in Far Eastern State University of, of Russia, there was next door to me a, a, a Buddhist who prayed. I mean, they prayed. They prayed way more than I did. But you know what? It was just repetition, 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 mantra after mantra after mantra after mantra, and no relationship. Religion is us trying to put God in our debt through our works, including our prayers. But Christianity is saying, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have done it all so that we could have it all. Christianity actually has something to be thankful for. Because a Christian is someone who knows that Jesus has done it all for us. A Christian, when they pray, knows to say thank you because they know that Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. Then he died the death we deserve to die. And he rose from the dead. And he gives us the gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sin, the crediting of his righteousness, his perfect record, credited to our account so that when God looks at us, he sees us covered in the perfection of Jesus Christ. Do we have anything to be thankful for? Are you kidding me? When I understand, when you understand that Christianity isn't what we do for God, but what God has done for us, then you will say, I get to pray. I get to say thank you. And then Paul goes on, Colossians 4, 3 and 4, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open for us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. The Holy Spirit advances the gospel through prayer. The Holy Spirit moves through the prayers of God's people to advance the kingdom of Jesus and reach the world for Christ. We saw that this week. We asked you to pray, and you prayed, and God answered our prayers, and God was at work at passion saving students and changing the trajectory of their life from death to eternal life. This is how the kingdom of God advances through dependent prayer that leads to the advancement of, of the gospel, the advancement of the kingdom through the proclamation of the word and the preaching of the gospel. And then there's a counterattack. Paul is writing from prison. He's writing from prison. 
But he's hoping and trusting that through the prayers of the people, he'll be released from prison and be able again to preach the gospel in dependent reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit made real by prayer, which will advance the kingdom and lead to a counterattack, which will cause him to have to pray more, which will lead to a pouring out of the Spirit and an advance of the kingdom. And on and on and on it goes through Paul's life and through the history of the church and even today. How will the gospel of the kingdom penetrate in advance in the dark places of St. John's County, the lost places in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your gyms and teams and schools? How will the kingdom advance? It'll advance when Christians begin to say, I get to pray. I get to talk to Jesus about my school, about my friends, about my neighbors, about my life. So let's do that. Let's change our attitude from have to to get to. And let's enjoy talking to Jesus this week. Let's enjoy it. Because listen, you will only do what you want to do. And no more. So what I've dreamed for for you is that you would enjoy talking to Jesus. George Mueller, he was an amazing prayer. Did you know what captured his heart? Jesus. This is what he says later in his life. The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and supreme business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. What is it? What is it that will turn us from irregular prayers, discouraged prayers, to devoted prayers? Men and women devoted to prayer, alert with thanksgiving, seeing the kingdom advance in our midst, it's not saying I have to. It's saying I get to. It's enjoying talking to Jesus, having our hearts happy in the Lord. How do we get there? John 15, verses 15 and 16, says this. This is Jesus talking to you. No longer do I call you slaves, For the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Jesus Christ, through the gospel, through his work on the cross, now calls you who have put your trust in him. He calls you his friend. Listen to this. Who doesn't need a good friend? This is John Smed writing in disruptive prayer. Who doesn't need a good friend? A friend is someone you can always confide in. A friend is someone you can always rely on. 
realizing that Jesus is your best and truest friend in prayer opens up a whole new world of confidence and adventure. Jesus says, make your heart happy in your friendship with me. Begin each day by getting your heart happy in Jesus, that Jesus is my friend. No longer does he call me to to be a slave to him. No more peer-pleasing religion. No more working my head off to try to please God. Jesus has done it all for me. Now, now I'm free and complete in him, clothed in his righteousness, forgiven all my sin. I have access to the Father as a friend of Jesus. So that when I knock on the door of heaven in prayer, the Father says, come in. I have access to the throne of grace. And what is my defense before the throne of grace? Jesus is my friend. What is my hope of answers to prayer? Is it in my righteousness? Is it in my devotion? Is it in my trying harder to please God? No, it's in Jesus Christ and him alone. And because Jesus is my friend, because Jesus is your friend, did you hear the audacious promise that he makes to us in verse 16? Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Friend of Jesus, storm, storm the gates of heaven. Knock on your Father's door. You have access to the God of the universe as your Father. This week, make an appointment with Jesus, your friend. Talk to him this week as you would a friend. Ask him in prayer, just as his disciples did. Lord, teach me to pray. You could do that. You could turn. Listen, there's no prayer guide on your seats this week. Your prayer guide is Luke 11, 1 through 13. I want you to read that passage every day this week. And start, Jesus, teach me to pray. Luke 11, 1. Teach me to pray the way you taught your disciples to pray. Jesus, I come now and I pray the prayer that you've given to us to pray. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as, you, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let that be a model of prayer for you. You say, well, I've never done that. Well, start by just praying it. Start by asking Jesus to teach you to pray and then pray the Lord's Prayer and let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Make an appointment, you and Jesus. You're his friend. And then find one other person this week 
a spouse, a friend, a co-worker who's a follower of Jesus. Find another person and make an appointment with them. And for one minute or an hour, pray together. I don't care how long it is, but pray together. Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. So make an appointment with another person to pray together. And pray through the Lord's Prayer together and ask the Father to teach you together in Jesus' name to pray. And listen, if it goes great, make an appointment together again and invite another friend to join you. And say to Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. Lead us in prayer. Help us be devoted to prayer. Help us to understand the gift of prayer. Help us to see that we get to pray. What if that happened this week? What if it did? What if it happened this week that, that you got alone with Jesus, your best and truest friend? And what if you asked him to teach you to pray alone with him? And, and what if you prayed with another person what if you got together in your small group and you prayed? And what if we started praying over every decision? What if we prayed by grace <laughs> with thanksgiving? What if we prayed for ourselves? What if we prayed for the lost places in our community? What if you started praying for me and for the other pastors and teachers at Good News Church and in churches all over this county that our churches would begin to be filled with people hungry for the word, that doors of opportunity would be open for the word of God to advance? What if that started happening? Oh, what if it did? What if we prayed for more fruit and for more fruit and for more fruit? Richard Loveless, in his book, Spiritual Dynamics, writes this, If all regenerate church members in Western Christendom were to intercede daily simply for the most obvious spiritual concerns visible in their homes their workplaces, their local churches and denominations, their nations and the world and the total mission of the body of Christ within us, the transformation which would result would be incalculable. Not only would God certainly change those situations in response to prayer, we have Christ's word that if we ask in his name, he will do more than we ask or think. But the church's comprehension of its task would attain an unprecedented sharpness of focus. Perhaps much of our prayer now should simply be for God to pour out such a spirit of prayer and supplication in the hearts of his people. Let's pray for that. Jesus, we pray. Teach us to pray. Jesus, you're our friend. You're not mad at us when we don't pray, but you love it when we do. Jesus, we get to pray to you. Pour out your Holy Spirit, a spirit of prayer for the advancement of the kingdom in St. John's County and around the world. Pour out your Holy Spirit on every Christian in this room this morning. Pour out a spirit of prayer 
Pour out dependence upon the grace of Jesus that we would have something to say thank you for. Help us, Jesus. Become a people of prayer, devoted to prayer, staying alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Jesus, everything we have is a gift of you, from you, and that includes eternal life. So Jesus, if you're drawing anyone here this morning to eternal life, then won't you give them the ability to just say to you, Jesus, I admit to you that I've sinned against you in many ways. Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, a spirit of dependence and supplication would flow from your throne of grace to your church on earth and would make it possible for the ends of the earth to be reached to the praise of your glory. I pray in your name. Amen.